Hello and welcome back to New Paradigm Healing. This series focuses on ayahuasca-assisted therapy. Our intention is to educate, inform, and support the conscious and responsible use of ayahuasca in the Western context. If you want to know more about ayahuasca-assisted therapy and our upcoming trainings and workshops, sign up for our mailing list to be the first one to know about the latest news at avatarhealingarts.com. Hello and welcome back to our podcast, Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy, and I'm here with my good friend and sister, Bonnie Divina Ma, and it's not the first time uh, we have you on, sister, so thank you and welcome back. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. And we're going to continue with our exploration um, in this special segment in our podcast, The Dark Side of Plant Medicine. And the last episode, if you haven't listened to it, then check it out. We are talking about um, the misuse of sexual power or like sexual abuse in the therapeutic spaces, especially with plant medicine. And we started that last week because, you know, most of the you know, crossing of professional boundaries in, in, in therapeutic spaces is the overwhelming cases are sexual abuse. So that would be the most common. And definitely, I'm sure that even today, we're going to touch on that because it's just so prevalent, not just in the plant medicine spaces, but, you know, just in general, you know, in the world, unfortunately, and in and every area, you know, we can run into these things. If people are familiar, the, the last few years, there was so much more awareness raised with the Me Too movement and it's so much more in the mainstream so we just you know joining that riding that wave of raising more awareness in specifically you know in plant medicine spaces and ceremonies and 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 uh, therapy that is connected with working with different intelligence so but today we're going to focus more on the misuse of power and the misuse of money so um you know, what I want to start with is that this is, you know, the first, the, the misuse of sexual energy, the misuse of money, misuse of power relates to the first three chakras. So if you are familiar with the chakra system and the first three centers, they are kind of lower centers, you know, so to say that, um, you know, connect to these energies and, you know, I think that in terms of healing and spiritual evolution, that's 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 a part of our evolution to raise our energy, you know, and to transcend, you know, those um, lower centers and 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 integrate them into our our kind of higher aspects. And and I think that you know anybody who is on the healing path, you know, goes through these stages. And I'm certainly going through still, you know. Um, just working, you know, the imbalances, you know, in those areas that I'm, I'm aware of. So I think it's not surprising that it is just such a big topic, you know, in the plant medicine space, um, just in general, because that's, you know, really big part of healing and evolution, you know, working through these areas and, and having more awareness and bringing more love and light, you know, to, to these aspects of ourselves. So we can embody and express that, that higher self and that higher aspect and that, you know, spiritual being that, that we truly are. So it's important, you know, that we can also talk about these things and share information. So our, our intention is really to, you know, 
help you guys who you are listening and then just to really educate ourselves and educate other people so we can be more safe and we can receive you know more healing uh, instead of being re-traumatized you know and 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 uh, causing more pain you know because of these imbalances so what i would like to start with today is that predators exist and how to recognize them and i think you know probably we mentioned the last time that when we come into plant medicine spaces especially you know with indigenous people a lot of people from the west have this idea that these people are perfect you know they kind of superior beings they 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 don't have any stuff you know to work on they already healed everything they are enlightened they know everything and 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 we are putting them onto a pedestal and I certainly, you know, was one of those people when I came into these places, you know, many years ago, I, I, I did think, you know, that they are superior and they know better and I didn't dare, you know, to question them or to question anything, you know, in regards to them because I really had this filter. So I think it's a good starting point for us. And I think, Bonnie, you had a, a good uh, phrase for this, what you call it, the shaman spell, you know? So can you talk about a little bit, what does it mean and how do you see this shaman spell kind of manifesting and playing out in these uh, places? Okay, yes. Yeah. So the shaman spell is something that I think it's very easy for many of us to fall under when we first start down this road. And what I mean by that is, is essentially what you're describing that all of a sudden we are seeing these people as supernatural. Um, and we begin to, to think that yes, they're perfect. Um, we desire to be with them, to be like them, and we uh, we don't see any of their 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 selves outside of perhaps the ceremony space, right? Um, and so, just like one can cast a spell, uh, we fall under this spell, and we may often act and say and and behave in certain ways that perhaps are even out of character for us. Uh, perhaps even a, there's a part of us that might even have a red flag or know better, but uh, we are so much under the spell that we, we don't, we don't uh, give that any, any attention. We just continue to, um, to remain in this place where, like you said, we look up to them, we take every word that they say as uh, as the the word, and uh, and then we can find ourselves in some pretty precarious situations. We know that not all shamans or people who are serving medicine are doing this intentionally. Some are. Some are some are very knowingly abusing their power and others are uh, fooling themselves into believing that they're actually doing good and believe wholeheartedly that they're they're doing good and doing the right thing 
Uh, and so when we take our own discernment out of the equation, when we begin to just blindly follow someone like we're under that spell, we can put ourselves in all sorts of situations. And we know that one of those situations is, of course, the most common one would be inappropriate sexual situations that can create a lot more trauma for ourselves. But there's also many other ways that we can be manipulated. And I think we're focusing a lot on money today. Uh, so we can speak more to that and how being under the shaman spell might um, might relate to that that abuse of power and money. Um, so I'll leave it at that. I'll turn it back mm -hmm. over to you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So as as you said, you know, um, when we have this type of naivete, you know, we almost kind of blinded to the reality. So as you said, you know, we have our blinders on and we're only seeing, you know, a little part of that person, especially if we are, you know, going to another country to participate in a retreat or in a ceremony and we are not living in that community because i think you know when the the healer or the person who you are working with is part working with is part of your community you have more um eyesight on their life in in general you know not just you know in a ceremonial space so i think that is a protection in itself you know if you live in the community where these people operate the community knows you know i remember for example when I was a child, you know, and, you know, some of my friends would go to church and everybody knew that that priest, for example, is an alcoholic and a womanizer and all these kind of things. And, you know, so so people, you know, didn't have, you know, that illusion that, oh, this person is perfect because, you know, in a community, when you live there, you can't really hide your your personality, you know, uh, but but I think, you know, when we are going into a different culture, into a different country, into a different environment, different community, and we only see this special part, especially when, you know, altered state of consciousness is involved, then, then we are just really seeing a fragment of, of reality. So I think one of the most important thing is for us to remember that these people who are healers, shamans, ceremonial space holders, they are human beings just like us, and they have gifts and challenges just like us. I never met a person who is like completely enlightened and have nothing, no shit to deal with, so to say, excuse me, you know, my friend. So I'm not saying there are no such people. I'm sure there are, I never met them. But I think in general, we can say that people who are way shores and teachers and space holders, you know, on the healing journey, they are people who are maybe in some aspects a little bit more ahead on the same path, you know, in some areas, but can be other areas that actually they are more behind, you know, so it is just, I think the first thing that I want to really emphasize is to remember that these people are human beings, and they have gifts and challenges, they have a dark side and the light side, just as we all do so to take that blinder off and and to to expand our awareness and to to stay aware that 
we are, you know, interacting not with a supernatural being, but with another human being. And um, they are not perfect as we are not perfect either. So I think, you know, as you said, one of the most important is like discernment. And, and when we are blindly following somebody, we are disconnecting from our intuitive guidance and from our gut feelings and heart guidance. And we are kind of like brushing those things off. So once we take those blinders off and we stay grounded in our body and connected to our intuition, then we can hear that voice that is maybe has questions or maybe is like, why is this happening? Or this is weird, or I don't feel comfortable with that. And then we can stay more in tune with that and act upon that awareness that we all have, but we might be very disconnected from when we have this devotion, you know, and this like image of somebody being, you know, perfect or superior or supernatural. So I would like to give people a couple of like um, examples, you know, how can this look like when somebody is um, you know, in this space. So I think, you know, I would say that the first thing is to look into the continuous development of that person and how do they do their own healing work and who are their teachers, who they go uh, for advice and, and what are the things, you know, that they are dealing with. So I think definitely one of the red flags would be if somebody believes that they have nothing to work on, you know, that they already healed, they already perfect, they did their path, they were in the training before, and now they are perfect and, and they don't have to deal with anything and they don't have any challenges and they know better everything than anybody else. And, um, you know, just having this kind of inflated ego or spiritual ego that is saying, hey, I'm, I don't need any more evolution because I'm evolved to the max. I think that's definitely would be, um, you know, like a red flag for me. And another thing would be to, um, you know, to imply to the clients that, hey, I am the superior being and I know better what is good for you and you should do this or that or the other for your own good or for the highest good or maybe it can play out in a different way is, you know, when, when the therapist saying to the client that you are special, you know, you are, you have this special ability, you have this, and, and, and it's like almost favoring that person, you know, and making them believe, you know, that they are somebody special or gifted in some special way and treated, you know, in, in, in this way by a therapist is also, I think can be part of it, or it can manifest even, you know, with gaslighting. So if, if somebody like a participant has questions or has intuition or gut feeling and they dare to ask some questions and then they are gaslighted or they are told that what they feel is not valid, you know, their questions are ridiculous and, and can't be answered or how they dare question anything, you know, that the teacher is saying, uh, just invalidating people's feelings, experiences and questions that, that 
that would be some of the things that I could point out that would be for me, you know, a red flag in terms of, okay, you know, like, I'm not sure I'm resonating with this person or I want to receive, you know, healing, you know, through this channel. So what do you think about that? Do you have, you know, anything else to add to kind of this category or some examples that you experienced or you seen, you know, in these places where it can, how it plays out? Well, you've hit a lot of the highlights for sure. All super valid and, and very uh, realistic red flags uh, that we that we see all of the time. Um, and so I'm in, I'm in complete agreement with you. I would say that, first of all, just going back a little bit, I do, I do know some pretty enlightened beings, uh, having, you know, traveled in India and different places in the world. Um, I, I've known some people who have been, you know, doing their work for this life and many, many lives, and they're, they're pretty enlightened, you know? Uh, and I would say that a lot of those people, they don't have anything right like i'm thinking a lot about like the the sadhus you know the yogis in in india they don't own a thing right and they're not asking you for anything either <laughs> uh and uh and so you know enlightenment of course comes comes in all forms and and we do we do have those those people who are really legitimately doing their work so it's not to say that that everyone you know has has uh you know this horrible dark side or something like that and or there are plenty of people who are 100 really walking in integrity with their path uh and are very much in awareness of when they stumble of when they fall out of alignment and they go, do, do go seek help and they are transparent with it uh and so these are the people of course that we want to to be able to look to, uh, to, to set the example, because it's those who, like you said, are in complete denial and say, I'm totally healed. I've got nothing else to do. Everybody look at me and listen to me. I'm the one who knows best and you, you should do this, this, and this. And if you question me or anything like that, there's something wrong with you. Um, and so, uh and and of course that's that's not an enlightened person right um and th and that's clearly somebody who who is uh their spiritual ego has has taken over and and perhaps is making and they really believe these things too right they they can really really believe them um and really really also think that they are saving the world and and doing doing good things for the world mm -hmm. uh so a couple of ways that I've seen this play out just in some, you know, some real life scenarios, as far as like a abuse of like when we're speaking about money, um, one would be someone who tells you all you have to do is come to more ceremony. Just keep coming, just keep coming, keep coming to ceremony, more ceremony, more ceremony right and they never speak to tools or um or ways that we integrate between ceremonies they're only talking about ceremony it can be really dangerous and we can fall into a big trap when we as 
as someone who is, say, serving medicine or has a healing center, when we make it starts to become all about money because we are reliant upon ceremony and people coming for the money, right? Where we they there we need that money to keep keep everything going, uh, and so it's I've seen this happen time and again where. I've seen people say over and over again, integration is ridiculous. It's not necessary. All you ever need is more ceremony. All you ever need is more medicine. Just keep coming back. That's a big, that's a big red flag. That's a very, very common one. Another one I see is in relation to people who have a lot of money. Um, People can, you know, shamans and other people can be really good at at feeling this out and understanding like who's got the money. And when someone has a lot of money uh, and they are looking for something to give it to and perhaps they're feeling a little bit lost. Uh, people will, you know, will say like it, it can be I've seen it in the yoga world. I've seen it everywhere. Uh, you know, they'll be told things like, oh, you're so special. I'm going to elevate you to a very special position, right? I'm going to put you on a pedestal right here next to me. I'm going to put garlands on you and feathers or uh, you're going to be really, really special, right? And But all you've just got to fund my project. You've got to fund my center. You've got to fund my ashram, whatever it may be. Uh, and so I see this one quite a bit and I have seen people in power be really abusive and say really horrible things to certain people and then to other people where, you know, they've got the dollar signs all around them. It's a whole different story. And so for the people out there who, you know, are are blessed and have a have that kind of abundance that's also a red flag anyone who's telling you these kinds of things um you know it it's not always that it's shady uh but it it certainly can be and um and the fact that people sometimes with money get treated very differently from the people who don't have as much money and they get special treatment and, and things like that. Uh, so those are two of the things that are coming to mind. Another thing might be uh, that more gaslighting approach of making you think like you're crazy, right? You need serious help. You better you better come and you better you know give give me this much money and I'm gonna help you with this but oh then there's this and it's gonna take that much money, right? And so uh, people can can take advantage of us uh, because we want so badly to heal that we will do anything and we will believe anything. And we will go down to that ATM and we'll take out every last dollar we have because we were told this is how much it takes, right? Um, 
so and again maybe there is a fair energy exchange there right maybe there is maybe that is going to be what you need but it's certainly a red flag uh so so those are the three things that are coming to mind right now because i've seen them play out over and over again absolutely and you just said you know exactly the same things that were on my list and that just also shows that these things occur you know oftentimes you know in these spaces again saying that you know not every case is like that you know so and and it can be a very mutual relationship so like some things that i would like to add so this is what we call like a dual relationship so once a healer and the and the client gets into like business together, for example, saying, hey, you're going to found my center now or build a palapa for the ceremonies. And in return, you're going to be this, you know, special status person or something while you are in the therapy. So I would I would add that, you know, be wary of these dual relationships, you know, because it's very hard to keep boundaries when you know uh you don't know okay now we are business partners or we are like client and therapist or what is going on here so and and as as bonnie said you know sometimes you know this can be very um positive and and consensual and thing you know that somebody wants to give back to the community where they received healing and wants to donate money or wants to help them you know to 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 build something or to you know bring their world into a wider audience but i would definitely say that it's much more clearer the situation if these are separated so you finish your therapy you finish your retreat you have a certain amount of time passed you know maybe three to six months minimum before you enter into a different kind of relationship as a donor or as a business partner and then even in that case it has to be a lot of clarity around it or okay you know what is what is this relationship about what are the boundaries what i'm giving what i'm receiving and to be clear on that before you enter into that relationship and that's what we refer to as informed consent you know can reduce greatly the risk you know of what bonnie was talking about and uh, you know unfortunately you know as you said um you know these boundaries are sometimes you know crossed or kind of not clear and um, some people do really prey on people who you know who have financial resources and and pull them into as as bonnie said you know promising them you know healing or or certain status or certain special things you know in return of money i think you know one of the good thing is that again informed consent so you in you enter into a relationship and you are told up front okay this is how many sessions this is how many ceremonies you will have this is how much every little you know item will cause this is how much the total will be this is how long it's going to take and you have an agreement either verbal or better a written agreement about that before you start your journey you know i think one of the 
kind of again red flags when people keep pulling people in so you committed to one retreat and then they say okay you are you're better but now i discovered that you have this other thing so you will need this one as well and that will cost this much money and now you need this and it's just like you know pulling a string or a carrot or something and and you know just just playing with the vulnerability of the people and playing you know with that deepest desire for us to to be whole to be healed you know and 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 pulling people along you know not being clear how long this is gonna take and how much it's gonna cost for me but you know just bringing bit by bit in the people and once you are invested you know psychologically as well people don't want to quit even though they might have you know intuition to the contrary or gut feelings to the contrary or they might not feel you know 100% right you know with that relationship but they are like oh I'm already invested you know this much time this much money so I'm not gonna quit so I would add you know that this can come into this category that we we were talking about and um, you know definitely as bonnie said you know just come to more ceremony that's all you need that is not true that we we said that a thousand times on this podcast you are the healer and you know the plant allies are just just powerful allies you know and teachers who can support us on our healing journey but we we need to you know, do the necessary steps, you know, to change your life and to come back to that natural state of, of health and wellness. Um, I wanted to say something, but I totally forgot. Anyways, we will, we will just move on and it will come back to me. So couple of things that Bonnie mentioned before that there's two categories, you know, so like a, a therapist or shaman or a healer can do these things that we are talking about not intentionally so to say out of ignorance you know and they can do it with intention you know to to get financial gain and oh yeah i i know what i was so not just you know asking people for money or for funding but also asking people for clients and referrals you know i've seen many times that you know shamans would say hey can you organize a group for me or circle where you live can you ask your friends your relatives you know to participate in ceremony so not necessarily you know uh, having directly money from the person, but asking them to to do advertisement or to do, you know, organized retreats for them or to to work for them, you know, as marketing as an organizer person, so on and so forth without any compensation you know so because this can be also very clear and very beneficial and win-win situation when i say no i'm happy to advertise you or refer people to you because i was so happy with what i receive and you know just as yourself and me like i do give back if somebody gives me a referral you know i i offer either free sessions or monetary compensation or we do an affiliate program so th this is not a bad thing you know but if if it's not equal you know if it's not uh hey you do all this for me and you will not get anything in return just my special attention and me telling you that oh you are some special person you know so i i wanted to add that okay so people who are doing this intentionally 
that's what we call black magic. Like that's what I call black magic. You know, when you have an intention to take advantage of somebody or harm somebody. And unfortunately, I think it's, it's easier to do that when you are in an altered state, you know, you are not in an ordinary state of consciousness, when you are dealing with something possibly life-threatening, you know, so a lot of gaslighting or manipulation going on with people who are actually, you know, have maybe, um, you know, a chronic disease that can lead to death, you know, very easily. And, and then healers or therapists promising, you know, the cure or the in return for favors, for money, for, you know, sexual exchange, so on and so forth. So, so that is something, you know, that, that, that is definitely more harmful in a way that people are intentionally wanting to take advantage somebody who is in a vulnerable position uh, or harm somebody uh, without, you know, their um, informed consent. So, so that, and, and, and that is, you know, very prevalent, you know, especially in South America. I think we touched upon this, you know, last episode, how there are, you know, um, these black magicians, so to say, or people who are using this type of black magic, and there is like jealousy in between the shamans, and there is like this spiritual, you know, uh, psychedelic warfare that is going on. And that is something that is very real. Although for people who come from the West, you know, they might think, oh, that's only exists in the movies. Well, you know, that's not my experience, you know, <laughs> like I, my experience that this is a real thing this can harm people this can make people sick you know i also heard about uh situations when a shaman threatened you know clients that if you don't do this or that i'm gonna put a curse on you i'm gonna put a curse on your family i'm gonna you know uh, like prevent your healing you know and and so on and so forth so again just you know, staying grounded and losing that naivete that these things are not existing or these things can't happen to me. Because once we come from that perspective, we are blinded to these things and we can much easier fall prey and for, you know, victim, unfortunately, to this manipulation. So I would say if you are going, you know, traveling, especially South America, Central America, wanting to work with indigenous people, if it's possible, the best would be that you check, you know, their reputation and their background in their community where they live, you know? So if there is a way for you, you know, to go into the community and ask people who live in the same community that, hey, how is this shaman, you know, how is this? Just the same as, as, as you know, the example I, I brought earlier from my life that, you know, people talk about stuff and they know what people do and they know people who are not in integrity. And, um, you know, that it, it's not difficult to find out these kind of things. And I think that could be kind of one of our tools in our toolbox to check, you know, their reputation and their background in the community where they live. Or even if it's a retreat center, you know, that will have a reputation in the community. And they say, hey, you know, the community has this opinion about this center and what they are doing there. So it's good to listen to these kind of things to, to figure out, you know, 
like how integral people are and places and obviously you know nobody is perfect i'm not perfect bonnie is not perfect probably either so uh, it's not that we are looking for some kind of perfect like supernatural being but we are looking for more like transparency you know transparency such as for example if a client asks me about my personal journey or my personal challenges i would disclose that you know like i not necessarily something that i start with you know because i it's not you know, uh, often it's not necessary, you know, that the client has that information, but if they would ask me upfront, you know, face to face, you know, I would totally disclose it. And I think that kind of transparency and that kind of humanity, when we are able to show our vulnerable side and we are able to speak about our challenges, you know, in our journey, uh, that doesn't mean that I'm not a good therapist or not a good healer or not a good support for other people you know so um, again I just want to emphasize that we are not looking for some perfect person we are just looking for people who are transparent who are ethical who are integral and who are real you know and also who have good reputation <laughs> based on you know the work that they did and another thing that occurred to me that it's worth checking, you know, how long they are on their healing path and how long they are supporting others in their healing journey. Because that's another thing, you know, that happens a lot that somebody did five ayahuasca ceremony and now they are holding ayahuasca circles. So if, you know, if somebody would tell me that I'm an integration therapist and you know, like how long did, have you worked with the medicine? Oh, my first ceremony was a year ago. I would not go to that person. <laughs> you know, like it's just like simply I'm like, okay, that's not enough time in my, you know, world and, you know, to have enough experience and expertise in, in what you're doing, even if people are coming with the best intention, you know, to help. So these were some things that, that occurred to me. So I'm going to give it over to you, Bonnie, because I'm sure you have some, you know, good points to add. Thank you. So going back a little bit, I, uh, actually have known, uh, this to happen where, someone threatened to put a curse on another person. Um, and I have had people come back and say things like, I think that they tried to, you know, do some black magic on me, or they tried to put a curse on me. Um, and actually some of, some of those things were revolved around money. Uh, right. And so there was this whole thing that happened around money. And then the uh, person in power uh, was threatening, right? Saying, well, don't mess with me. I'll put a curse on you. Uh, and so that's all obviously completely out of integrity. Now, and just to, to not, not to dwell on the details of that particular situation, but just to say, Perhaps there, you know, perhaps there is even someone who came and they they weren't able to pay uh, or there was some sort of misunderstanding about money or, you know, something happened in that arena. It's still never OK to say to that person, I'm going to put a curse on you. Right. Or or you're, uh, you know, or I've heard even things like, uh, 
you're a you're a shame to your people, right? And and things like this. Uh, and anybody who is saying something like that uh, obviously has some really dark stuff that some that they need to address and and work with. Uh, and that is absolutely a complete abuse of power. Uh, and then we're, you know, we're merging into this, this conversation about um, when, when someone is ready, right? When someone is ready to take that role and to step more fully into that power. And that is a conversation that will probably continue for as long as we're around. <laughs> uh, and there's, there's a lot of differing opinions, right? And I'd say there's no hard and fast rule here on this. Uh, certainly, there are certain criteria, right? So I would say even for someone who maybe has had 100 ceremonies, if they still haven't done their own self-healing, right? Um, if they don't understand how to work with energy, how to call in protections. Uh, if they, uh, you know, are one of those people that says, oh, let's pack in a whole room, right? Let's pack in a whole room of people. Let's see how many people we can fit into this ceremony, right? Uh, you know, th those kinds of things, uh, we're, th these, are, these are things that we, we have to start like thinking like, okay, well, this is uh, probably not a person who should be standing up uh, in front of the circle, pouring medicine and holding a healing space for others. Uh, it may be that there is someone who has done tons of self-work, who is super grounded, super aligned, super in integrity, has other ways of working with energy, perhaps, you know, other shamanic background that didn't have to do with medicine right and maybe maybe they don't need as long as as someone else might um you know we bring we bring all we're coming from so many different uh places in the world and different paths these days uh it's hard to say i mean right now we even have we even have, uh, you know, psychotherapists administ administering medicine to people, and they themselves have never done medicine. Yeah, right? big flag for me. <laughs> never touched it, or they don't practice with it all the time. Uh, yet they are giving it to others in a clinical setting, uh, and you know, there are people that can that can find some healing uh, through that. I know for me personally. Uh, with all of the medicines that I work with and serve, uh, I, I have to stay in those medicines all the time, right? I have to be in a constant conversation with them. I have to make sure, you know, even if I don't want to, you know, don't feel like doing that combo that day, you know, I've, I've got to, right? Because it, it maintains my relationship with the spirit of that medicine, keeps me in the practice, keeps me in the conversation. And I would say that's another red flag uh for sure is somebody who's serving a lot of medicine but they haven't taken the medicine themselves or sat in in, in another ceremony in a long time um that's a that one for sure is a big red flag for me people are just serving but 
not not having their own practice with the medicine. And just to bring it back uh, to this other this other topic, which I brought in, which was it's also related to money is how many people can we pack into a ceremony space? I've been in plenty of those situations and I have heard these conversations being had and there is many times where the question of safety is never questioned. Nobody is ever just saying, hey guys, put the brakes on for a second here. Is it really safe to have 50 people come to the ceremony? Uh, and I, I get that asked, that question asked a lot. Well, how many, you know, how many is safe, right? And again, there's a lot, there's a lot to that question. Um, I have known, I have known some pretty impeccable, amazing medicine people who can hold a really big space. And they are, you know, like Jedi Knights, right? <laughs> they just, they know how to control the grid. They know how to control the space. And every single person in that space is safe. And, uh, and, it, and they're, they're just that powerful, right? They've done that much work. So how many uh, are we speaking here when you say, okay, these people can hold a pretty big space? So like the most that I've seen when I, when I talk about something like that would maybe be like 30 or 35. Exactly. I, yeah. I had just the same number and, you know, I sit with many different spaces with different traditions. And I would say that, you know, an ideal space would be maybe between 10 to 15 people, you know, to oversee if there is one shaman or one facilitator, and then somebody who is a master of masters could hold maybe a, a twice as big place, you know, up to 30. Now, you know, with, with different types of spaces for example the Santo Daimi you know where they have a hundred or more people present now you know that is a different kind of space you know and there is not one space holder there is a circle of people who hold the space and there is many facilitators and again if you break it down in the spaces that I sit in there is as many facilitate if, the, if there is a circle of 120 people that there is at least 15 facilitators who are going around and checking on everybody plus the circle of musicians you know who are the main yeah. stakeholders so for that circle there is like close to 30 people you know holding yes. that space and the, and so, the daime tradition is a different tradition too and a lot of people coming to that to those that church and doing that work have been coming for a long time right they are you know very familiar with this yeah. medicine they know how to navigate their own space with the medicine. They know how to hold their own space. And that is also something that has to be taken into consideration, right? Uh, we have, you know, I've been invited to ceremonies before where it's, it's you know, quote, like pros only, right? Uh, not to say that people who haven't, you know, been doing this work a long time can't just have some sort of crazy experience. Yeah. Uh, but the the power of when when people come together in a space who really know how to sit with this medicine uh that that carries carries over into the space and so it's a it's a more safe space versus 
30 people or 100 people and it's their first, second or 10th time, right? Uh, and so, and this is what happens at some of these centers uh, that are very popular and yes. like household we don't want to names here. <laughs> so we know who they are. And, yeah. uh, and I've even, I've had friends uh, and teachers work at some of those centers and come away saying like, this is not safe, right? Yeah. This is absolutely not safe. And there's, you know, 100, 120 people and they're all scattered into different rooms and most of them absolutely. are super new to there is one work. facilitator for that many people or one shaman you know it's like really unheard of like in the indigenous you know traditions yeah. so yeah now, somebody you. somebody like you know something like uh say let's the yonawa or the hunikuin get together right now these are villages these are groups of people who have grown up in this tradition it's a family right. tradition they get together every weekend they drink ayahuasca they play music, they sing, and it's all about community. And uh, and that's a whole different kind of situation yes. too, yeah, you know? Um, and a lot of it also has to do with the medicine itself, with the brew of the medicine, right? There's, everybody thinks a lot, a lot of people new to medicine will think like ayahuasca is just ayahuasca, right? No, there's, many, many different components that can be added into the brew along with the ayahuasca vine. And this changes things a lot. So for example, daime medicine, uh, medicine that I've experienced from like Hunikuin, very light, rainbow medicine, a whole different kind of medicine than I've than Peruvian medicine, yeah. right? which can be like underworld and dark and like crazy town you know uh and so there's so many variables that that come into into play when we're talking about uh if whether or not size matters <laughs> yeah, absolutely and we we you know we talk to mostly people from the west who are not familiar with these plants and with this culture you know and this way of thinking so obviously it's a totally different question when you know indigenous people have their ceremonies and they grew up you know with the medicine and in that culture and that that's not our focus you know of conversation what we are here for is is trying to bridge the gap you know between the huge amount of people from the west who are coming to the medicine without any previous knowledge experience you know cultural heritage so so on and so forth so you know just to clarify this as you said you know that that those are the people who we are talking to here primary and and i i assume you know that the, these are the people who are our listeners mostly you know i don't think that the shippy boys need to listen to my podcast you know and it's certainly you know not for them so what one of the things you know that you can do if you are going into these places or retreats or something like if you can go with a friend who you really trust you know, to have like an outside kind of checkpoint for you. So if you're feeling something, if you're experiencing something, you can bounce it off, you know, with a person who you personally trust. Or even if you cannot bring a person with you, 
call a person or talk to somebody you know who you trust personally that say hey i have these feelings or this is what happened during the retreat i'm not sure what do you think you know to have an outside perspective from a trusted person you know i think that that what one thing i would say is to speak up you know if you have any questions if you have any concerns speak up speak to somebody speak to a facilitator speak to a helper speak to another participant speak to a trusted friend of yours you know to get you know like other information because sometimes you know people dismiss themselves and say ah i'm you know i'm, I'm being silly or i'm being over worried or whatever or this is not real especially if there is gaslighting involved and people can really you know question you know their intuition their gut feeling so just speak out speak up if you are not sure talk to people talk to facilitators talk to other people other participants your trusted friends i had you know like not in the medicine space but you know i had this experience with a very close friend of mine who had a surgery in an allopathic hospital you know close to where i live and the surgeon you know who performed her surgery hit on her you know, and anyway, um, she ended up in a sexual relationship with the surgeon while she was healing, you know, from the surgery. And eventually, you know, when she told me about it, because she was so disturbed, and I was like, what's going on with you? And, and, and she told me about it. And I was like, Oh, my God, this is so not cool. This is so not okay. This a violation of this ethical person, code. you know, like, how, how? I mean, I was like, for me, it was like, wow. And my reaction, you know, kind of shocked her back into reality. And in her mind, somehow she was told things. And, you know, like you, are, when we are in that vulnerable place of healing, we are so um, kind of open to manipulation. And that is the truth, you know? So, um, you know, speaking to somebody can be, you know, like a huge resource, somebody telling you that, hey, this is not cool, what is happening, then suddenly, you know, putting it into perspective for you. And then uh, she did stop, you know, that relationship, and she did make action to report this person, you know, because of my input, you know, because she talked to me. And maybe if she would have never told anybody, you know, that could have been more damage and not just to her, but to other people, because I'm sure that you know most of people who are abusing you know their their power they they don't do it only once and then they never do it again but it's something unfortunately that occurs you know on a regular basis so we also have to think about that hey i also don't want other people to fall prey you know to the same thing so from this perspective it is our duty and responsibility to to speak out and to to voice our concerns and to 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 to, to disclose you know what happened to us uh, so more transparency and more light can can be brought in and you know just making a very side note unfortunately there is misuse of this one as well you know i heard some participants you know uh, stating not true things about you know healers and spaces because they didn't have their expectations mean whatever they was so again you know that like there is so many angles and so many perspectives and there is always exceptions from each rule 
but just in general, I think, you know, speaking out is, is like super important um, to, to, uh, to protect ourselves and to create more awareness, you know, in these areas. And I just wanted to connect to, you know, just to wrap it up and, and just see what, what else, you know, moving in us to share today, that, that what you said, you know, and we were talking a little bit about black magic and how, you know, people who intentionally misuse their power, you know, and manipulate other people for sexual gain, financial gain, or just, you know, for status, um, these people, when they work with powerful plant medicines like the ayahuasca, for example, because of their integrity and their vibration, their frequency of their vibration, when they open a healing space or set up a space, you know, they can open a space to into another good space, you know, I don't know how else to say. So, you know, somebody who is in, not in integrity and alignment with higher frequency, with like truth and compassion and integrity and, and highest form of love, you know, that we can aspire to, then if you open a space, you're going to connect to the lower astral. For example, you know, you, you will connect to yes. spaces where it's more density, is more darkness, Absolutely. you know. And so, you know, if, if somebody is a participant sits in these places, you can be attacked, you know, you can, you can pick up energies, you know, you can pick up even entities, you know, that you, you know, that will and not. And that's a very real thing. And it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, that will not serve your highest good, that will not serve your healing. So that's another aspect that I wanted to just bring in, you know, from the spiritual perspective that it does matter hugely who you sit with and what kind of space you sit with and where do these people come from and what is their intention and what is their frequency? Because, you know, you are opening portals into other realities, into other dimensions, and that can be very different where you travel to you know and that can be very traumatic or very healing depending the person who is opening that portal and where is that portal connecting to so yeah do you yeah. want to add to this well you you said everything that i wanted to say because i was going to loop back around when i was talking about the size of ceremonies and how this can be so dangerous and that's one of the reasons why right if money is the motivator and there's no consideration of 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 safety or optimizing the experience for others and let's just pack them in uh or like you said that there's these uh there's these uh, people that just are already in this lower vibration uh there's so many ways that we can go into a ceremony and end up more traumatized and pick up what we call like dark energy energies or dark entities uh and so again like case in point why uh, it's so important for someone who is serving medicine to be in integrity and it and it can't be about money we that's what I always say and that's my contract with medicine right it's it's not about it's not I don't serve medicine as an I pour medicine or I you know it I it's, it's I serve the medicine right I we have to bow down to the medicine and to become that hollow vessel for the medicine and to say, how can I serve you, right? How can I serve you? Because the medicines are here to serve uh, in the way of healing, right? In the way of healing the human population. Uh, 
And so, um, so it's, it's never about me and how, you know, what I'm and what I'm serving, right? It's, it's, uh, it's how I am serving and how I walk that path uh, with the chosen medicines that I, that I do humbly bow down and serve and allow them to always be my teachers and to be that, that voice, right? Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up is the, uh, the exploitation now of the medicines. And we're talking about the ayahuasca vine, we're talking about iboga, we're talking about uh, combo and bufo, and a lot of the medicines that are becoming very popular these days, there's a lot of money to be made. And I've actually been told that the, that being a shaman uh, in Peru is one of the best ways to make money. It's like one of the top five five ways to make money. Uh, Especially right. the last five, yeah. ten years, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a business. And... Uh, it, or it can, it might be, it can be. And uh, not saying that because I know some really, really amazing, you know, indigenous Absolutely. shamans um, who are in complete integrity and doing such beautiful work. Um, but we do see a lot of now uh, people selling these medicines on the internet, people buying medicines on the internet to do their own home ceremonies, to uh, set up their own thing where they're serving other people and things. Uh, anytime that that medicine is being harvested in this way, where it's for greed, it's going to carry a very dark energy and it's not going to be for the greatest purpose and highest good for anyone. Uh, I want to just say it's so important to ask, uh, ask our providers, how are you giving back? How are you giving back? When you make an ayahuasca brew or you receive it from somewhere, are they replanting the vine? Uh, do you perhaps give to an organization or support an organization in some way that is looking to preserve the, the land, uh, maybe the Amazon, right? Or, uh, or looking to protect the misuse and abuse of the frog and the, the toad. Uh, uh, because these these medicines and, and the plants and the animals from which they come are are being abused quite a bit now because these, they've become popular and there's money to be made. And so just like tobacco, which was such a beautiful healing medicine, it became a cash crop. And then now we see the shadow side of the abuse of this beautiful medicine, cancer and lung disease and you know all kinds of in the filters that never never uh, degrade you know when the and they poison the earth right and the pesticides and uh and so the same things happen uh with the sacred these other sacred medicines and so very very important that we are always asking that question where did the medicine come from is it ethical? Is the use of it ethical? And how are you giving back? Absolutely. I, I so with you, sister. And, you know, I, I really do encourage people to go to the source, you know, to work with medicines, you know, I, I think that is the safest, you know, when I was in Peru, 
you know, we were part of harvesting. We went with the plant master and the shaman and asked permission, you know, from the land, asked permission from the plant, you know, to take that wine, you know, to take that leaf. And then it was cooked, you know, uh, with prayer, you know, with the participation and putting all the prayer and or intentions, you know, into the medicine. And then it was served, you know, in a beautiful way that is will be a totally different energy frequency and experience compared to somebody going out harvesting it for you know money for selling it on the internet cooking it up in their kitchen then you know shipping it you know to australia or something it, 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 you kind of compare you know these two experiences and that also i think people are not aware of and then of course you know some people maybe cannot travel or go to the source and and there is many people who serve with integrity that the people that i work with they personally go back to their teachers each year you know to peru or to colombia or to wherever they were trained you know and go back for continuous development to sit with medicine for themselves and also to take medicine from their teachers and they are personally bringing it back and serving it you you know, with the permission, you know, of the elders of, of the tribe. And then, you know, they are giving back either financially or in some other way, you know, to support that land and that community where the medicine is coming from. So absolutely agree that that is a good question. You know, where is the medicine coming from? You know, how was it harvested? How was it prepared? You know, and, and how do you give back? You know, how do you honor that? And, and as we talked before, you know, this over harvesting of the medicines and these sacred animals you know who carry medicines is you know is very unnecessary it can be an addiction you know people say oh you cannot be addicted to ayahuasca because you throw up and you know you it's an intense journey and stuff i think you absolutely can be addicted to ayahuasca you can be addicted to that experience to that high to that ayahuasca afterglow and and i know several people who when that wears off they just go to another ceremony instead of you know going deeper into themselves and approaching those things that the medicine you know brought up for them to to see and they they proudly say oh i have to sit with the medicine every four months otherwise i would go crazy or something i i, I literally hear people say things like that and it's like from my perspective that's not a good advertisement for you you know on the contrary so yeah it's it, you know we don't need a lot of medicine i i think you know that the medicines are there for us to find our own power within ourselves to help us to guide us back to our own power our own divinity our own beauty and to you know find that anchor within us so we we're not gonna need you know medicine on a regular basis because then it can be the same pattern as we have with pharmaceuticals you know that you are relying on things now in this case not a pill in this case is a plant but the dynamic, the energetic patterning is, is, is pretty similar. And that's not, you know, what, what is our intention and what is our goal, you know, but, but our goal is to come back to ourselves, you know, and to recognize our own power and, and uh, not to rely on anything external. May that be a medicine plant, you know? So when somebody is saying, I need 
the medicine to be functional and to keep my sanity that is that is a red flag also for me you know yes yeah um absolutely i i you know when we hear this all the time you know when is the next ceremony you know like i'm going crazy and uh and i i need it i need it i need it and uh so we just have to be again we have to be really discerning we have to ask ourselves in that moment well what are we doing outside of ceremony right why is it that we keep needing it so much what's going on are we really doing the integration are we really gathering the tools are we really doing the shadow work are we really taking everything that we were shown in that ceremony and applying it are we doing the work that was presented to us or are we just going to ceremony and then we have our afterglow and then we get back into normal life and then we don't think about it for a while and then we come back now certainly also there's people where this is their community right um and just like it, it that that village i think that that's also popular um possible in the western world right like where we have these these communities where we come i have a community like that where we know like there's going to be a couple times a year where it's available for us to come to be together to sit together and um and it's a and it's a really beautiful experience that that you know transcends some sort of like i need to be here even though sometimes people really do come there like i need to be here i need to be here with my family i need to be here um and so not to shame or judge uh ourselves or, or another for you know for continuing to to be in need of medicine uh, but simply to ask ourselves, if we hear ourselves saying something like that, well, what else am I doing about this, right? Um, and then, and then use, using the, the discernment uh, that we, we need to bring to, to all of these situations. You know, a lot of times, you know, what I, what I think is a very healthy way is, is people go to a, a cer ceremony or a series of ceremonies they do their work, they integrate, and then I hear them say something like, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready for another ceremony. I think I'm ready to go deeper. Right. And that is, I think, a very healthy approach um, versus like grasping and, you know, hoping for this like magic pill. And I just, I just need it. I got to feel better again. Right. But we also just might need it as a tool. Ceremony can be a tool, you know, and we might need it to go into that place to have that that sacred space yeah. where we have that conversation with the medicine and we receive the download and we receive the messages of how do we go from here? What do I need to do? Right. But then we have to take that those messages and we actually have to do it and we have to follow through. So there's a there's a there's a, a shadow side to needing it and then I think there's a a light side as well. Absolutely, depending, you know, on the motivation and the frequency and of course as we said there is exemptions from each rule, you know, but I know about churches in the United States who do ceremonies every two weeks, you know, and encourage people to come like every two weeks with the ayahuasca like you know again this can be exceptions from this rule but i think that's 
very short amount of time between ceremonies to really drop in and integrate and process, you know, what you've been going through and to do this, you know, for months, you know, I've seen many people who ended up in a serious breakdown because they were just kept digging and digging and more, you know, going deeper and deeper without doing, you know, the necessary work to integrate that information and that, you know, that was coming to the surface and then it, it caused the breakdown. So again, you know, it can be exceptions, you know, but but generally speaking, you know, to work with a master teacher plant with that frequency, you have to get some really good reasons, you know. I mean, if you are training to be a shaman, you know, and to somebody who served maybe, you know, and and it, it can take years. I know that the person, the Shipibo shaman that I sat with, you know, at the beginning, he told us that he was in the jungle on his own with the medicine for four years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, I mean, that was, you know, the Shipibo, of course, we know they, they go deep, right? And it is. Yeah, like, that was, you know, I was like, it's not that you know, he did a couple of ceremonies, you know, that he was really communing <laughs> with the yes. plants. So. You know, there's a there's a matter of what how many master plant dietas that they do, right? Um, there are certain plants that they they must diet uh, in order to serve, and generally, yeah, it's around like a ten year process, and sometimes even more. And I've talked to some of my various teachers about this, and they say, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. There uh -huh. are other there are other paths, and I've known people who are on other paths that hold really safe really beautiful ceremonies but i would also say like like one thing my teacher always said to me is you can't take someone where you haven't been yourself which means if you're going to take someone really really deep it means you have to be really really deep with that medicine and if you and you have to have a an extraordinary relationship with that medicine right if you are going to be able to take someone to those those really 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 deep levels uh, <laughs> yes yeah thank you for all of these reminders and thank you for sharing your wisdom sister we're gonna wrap it up for today i hope that our listeners get a lot out of you know these episodes and you're welcome to contact you know bonnie or myself <clears throat> if you have any further question and we are preparing you know to to create this organization for for people who work with intelligence um standing for integrity and ethics and actually we are writing you know this code of ethics and standards of practice and you know bonnie is is, is one of the you know the the person who is actively participating in that and we have a couple of other people who work in this area but if you're listening to this podcast and you are a space holder or you have you know retreats and you resonate with what we are talking about please reach out to us and you know if you want to be part of this um initiative you know because i think it's 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 so important that we keep talking about it and we create spaces you know where you know those safe places you know where people can gather but i think what i would love to close with is that intention is a very powerful thing and we were talking about the intentions of the people who are serving or leading or guiding people you know in these experiences and these type of healing journeys but the intention of the participant is also a super powerful tool. So I would say if you are somebody who is embarking on this journey or on this journey already, 
you know, set a very clear intention of why you are in this path. What is the healing that you would like to uh, experience, you know, um, and, and, and put that intention that you want to connect with people, places, you know, with integrity, with the highest form of ethics and integrity and authenticity and transparency so if you as a participant has a very clear intention that these are the people who are calling in these are the frequency these are the values that i'm calling in these are the places that i'm calling in it's very very likely that whoever you attract you know people places you know and opportunities will be in alignment with your intention so if you are not clear or if you don't have any intention or you're just like let's go with the flow and see how i end up there is a bigger chance that you are opening yourself to all kinds of energies you know to come in so i would say that really for your own protection you can specify that this is you know the frequency i want to align with these are the principles that i want to align with these are the people who i'm aligning myself with and that's what I want to draw towards myself. So you as a participant have a lot of power. So recognize that power, use your intention, be clear, you know, and, and precise as much as possible why you are doing this and what you want to get out of it and, and what kind of people you want to work with and what kind of places you want to be part of. And, you know, just remember that that we have a tremendous amount of power as well to, to say no, to speak our truth, you know, to voice our concerns. And it's very important that we do so because this is how we evolve and grow together and learn, you know, from our mistakes. So that's why we are, you know, standing for this type of more like education rather than punishment, because it is a learning experience, you know, and I did, commit mistakes, you know, in my therapeutic relationships in the past, and maybe I will in the future as well, you know, and, and it's okay, you know, I'm not perfect, but, you know, I, I, I trust that I learned from those experiences, you know, and, and, uh, and that's what, that's what matters, you know, I think in these places. So anything else you want to add to close sister? I oh, just want to extend my gratitude to you, Nina. Thanks so much for holding the space for us to talk about these important issues. And uh, just to say to everyone out there, um, yeah, always uh, put your own safety first, follow your intuition and know that you have resources available to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we're going to come back, obviously, and Bonnie will be back here as well on the podcast. So thank you for listening. Uh, we're going to post Bonnie's website, but it, is it bonniedivinama.com? It's, it's awakenascend.com awakenascend.com yes exactly so we're gonna post uh, your availability and do you have anything that you would like to share a program or a course or anything that you are running or you have any openings for clients i have plenty of openings 
Um, yeah, I would say that's the really the main thing that I'm doing right now. I'm available for really profound Zoom sessions as well as in-person sessions. If you're somewhere near Houston or somewhere in the world where I may be, which changes quite a bit. Uh, yeah, so I welcome you into the space. Uh, integration is one of the main things that Nina and I both do uh, and it's our passion and it's a privilege to be able to work in that that uh, arena. Absolutely. And I think you are coming soon back to Mexico to do a retreat with, will it be with Cambo or Bufo or both? It's, it's with, uh, mainly with Bufo. Okay. Do yeah. you have spaces available for that? It's or that? Full. It's full. Okay. Well, full. the next one, <laughs> we're going to add with the other ones. Yeah. yeah okay well thank you so much and yeah also check out my website for the upcoming training if you wanna you know if you feel a deep calling to support people in their preparation and integration journey as a facilitator so this is specific to the the medicine ayahuasca um, this is not a training to serve the medicine. This is a training to help people to prepare and then to do the integration and deep trauma healing, you know, to create a supportive container for people, you know, to um, really, you know, take their power back over their lives uh, with the use where we use this medicine as a catalyst. If you are interested in that, just go to avatarhealingarts.com slash training and you find more information about the training over there. And also you can reach out to me for integration or if you're interested in the training. And there is a lot of things that we are cooking up and brewing and we are, you know, expanding this community. So I'm excited, you know, to um, have more practitioners come on board with, um, so we can create, you know, community uh, that is based on the same values, you know, what we are talking about and we are holding here instead of, you know, fighting against things and people that, you know, we are not in alignment. I think, you know, our focus is really to create these safe places where there is transparency, where there is authenticity and integrity. And I think that is something that sorely missing, you know, not just from these medicine places, but in life in general you know and integrity was replaced and ethics were replaced with money unfortunately you know in our culture so we are wanting to go back and you know put money in the important things but not above everything else so thank you for listening hope you enjoyed please follow our podcast and share it with your friends and relatives and clients and sisters and brothers because we, we need you we need your help you know to put this information more out there and uh, just sending lots of love from my heart to your heart and remember that you are the healer and love is the medicine so thank you thank you lots of love